Hey everyone, I try to keep my episodes around 10 minutes, but this is going to be a bit of a longer episode as it is a response, a lengthy response to um, to someone that I've been conversing with. And so here we go. You're listening to the John Stapleton Podcast. This is where I talk about Jesus, the Bible, church, culture, practical living, and discipleship, all from a biblical worldview. For more of my content, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and places like that with the username jstaples93. I started this week off talking about the Trinity, and I, you know, I'm still surprised at such uh, uh, at how controversial this topic really is on the internet. Every time I talk about it, or every time I say that Jesus is God, the internet comes from my throat. So, and among those. Uh, one of the loudest voices is a guy from Instagram named Noah. He actually started this conversation with me a few weeks ago by calling me to task, calling me on the mat and quoting James 3 by saying that, you know, not many of us should be teachers because we're going to be judged more strictly. Um, and and that is true. We, we teachers will be judged more strictly by God and not only by God, but by the world, which is what's happening right now. And so I didn't feel comfortable putting out content without explaining it. And let me just say this. I said this, I believe, in episode seven. I will not, six, I will not argue with trolls, people that just want to argue to argue. I'm not going to do that. But if you're raising good questions, I might answer. Now, I'm not going to spend all my time doing this. This is actually my last rebuttal because I want to get on to other topics. And 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 I'll say this, two things. If you are serious about learning a about what the Bible teaches regarding the Trinity. And I know this is, I'm not going to pretend this is an easy topic. You need to find some, some scholars, some evangelical scholars. If you don't, if you don't, if you're failing, if, if you're trying to understand the evangelical viewpoint and you're, you're just not getting it through my explanation, that's fine. You need to find Michael Heiser. You need to find um, Sam Storms. You need to find uh, there's a there's handfuls of evangelical scholars that have written works on this, devote their life to the th- these topics. You need to find a systematic theology. That's a good place to start, and then just see what the Bible says. But for this time, I'm uh, you know this time I'm I, I you do raise some good questions, and I'm going to answer those questions. And then after that, listen, go look at the resources. I'm not going to keep going back and forth with you online. And you raise about 20 questions, so I'm just going to distill those 20 questions because you repeat yourself a lot. Um, so the, the first thing that you would raise is, um, you know, Matthew 28, which talks about the Great Commission. And my point was that Jesus teaches us to uh, baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, your argument is that just because those three don't appear in the same, you know, those three appear in the same passage doesn't mean that they're God, doesn't mean that they're a Godhead. My question to you is, what's the significance of the three in the passage? Why is Jesus telling us to baptize in all three of their names? If they're not God, what are they and what are they doing? Um, those are some answers I haven't got yet. And um, and you should, you should think about that. The other point that you'll say, and this is to uh, diminish the deity of Jesus, you'll say, well, you know, Jesus was given authority. That's actually what the passage says. You'll, you'll highlight that word given. All authority has been given to me. 
And what you're doing is you're you're not seeing the possibility that Jesus existed before authority was given to him. And I would just say, if you're being a careful Bible student, what does authority mean? What was Jesus given authority to do? And if you're following the narrative, the storyline of the Bible, Jesus was given authority to be the source of salvation. And if you if if you're like, how do you come to that conclusion? Read the book of Hebrews, uh, especially chapters one and two, and read Revelation chapter five. Jesus is not Jesus doesn't receive the worship that he does now until he goes to the cross. Jesus says in John 12, now that now the rule of the world has been cast out, now that the Son of Man has been lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. What is he saying? He's saying when I die on the cross, I'm going to be enthroned. I'm going to receive the authority and the glory that that is due me because he's the Son of God. And again, you know, you'll say, well, just because Jesus is the Son of God, it doesn't mean that, you know, Jesus is God. Okay, well, then what does the Son of God mean? Like, if you are someone's son, you share some attribute with the Father, whether it's psychologically or physio- physiologically or whatever, right? There is some impartation from the Father to the Son, making them of the same nature. Like, this doesn't need to be spelled out. If you are someone's son, you share nature, natu- natural natural, you know, attributes <laughs> with the Father, and, and Jesus does too. And listen, the reason why the Father and the Son appear in so many passages is because they really are two separate people. You'll make the, you'll make the claim, you know, John 14, uh, that Jesus says, the Father works in me. Okay, well, that doesn't mean that they're, doesn't mean that the Father inhabits the Son's body. The Father did not die on the cross, the Son did. In Colossians 2.9, you know, it says, the fullness of Christ um, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in a human body uh, or in bodily form. And then there is Philippians 2, 5, right? Though he was in God's form, literal translation. Uh, by the way, you, 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 you had a problem with the translation I was using. That's another topic for another day. Uh, but literally in God's form, uh, he did not equate, you know, he did not, he did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, but instead he became what? A servant. So in Colossians 2, he, it says that though he was in God's form, he became a servant. Not that he was a servant, became God. That's not what it says. And a lot of our problems today is because of context. If you would just read more of the passage, you would have more understanding about what the biblical authors are trying to communicate. And then I think it's interesting that after the Christ hymn, after Philippians 2, verses 5 through 11, you get verse 13, where Paul tells us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, for it's God who works in us to will and to work for his good pleasure. So we don't become God because God works in us. That's the same argument. That's New Ageism. We don't become God because God works through us because God does his work through us. We are souls and God is spirit and God and, and, and our spirit works together just like Jesus. And this would make sense. If Jesus laid aside his privileges as God, then God the Father would need to do his work through him. And they don't become the same person. I know they're not the same person because, listen, the Father did not die on the cross. The Son did. We read later in Acts chapters 2 and 3 that God raised his son from the dead. How could God raise Jesus from the dead if God is really Jesus and Jesus is dead? They have to be two separate people. 
Jesus' audience knew what he was claiming. In John 5, 17 through 18, and listen, don't tell me I didn't give you scripture. I gave you 20 last time, and you didn't deal with half of them. When Jesus comes on the scene in John 5, he says, hey, my father has been working, and I too am working. The Jewish leaders knew exactly what he was claiming. This is why they were scheming for his life, because the passage says in verse 18, he was making himself equal with God. He was By calling God his father, he was making himself equal with God. Later on in John chapter 8, Jesus says, before Abraham existed, before Abraham lived, I was. What's that a claim to? Eternality. Like, I've always been here before Abraham, before the founder of your faith. I've been here. John 10, I and the Father are one. This is around verse 31. And guess what? They try to kill him again. They try to kill him after he said, you know, the Abraham claim. They try to kill him again in John 10. And Jesus says, hey, I've done many miracles. I've helped you guys out. I've showed you many signs from the Father. From which one of those do you want to kill me? And, G- and they say, we're not killing you for anything you've done, but because of what you keep saying, you're a mere man and you claim to be God. You make yourself God. They knew exactly what he was claiming. And so there doesn't need to be a verse that says, I'm God. Jesus replied, I'm God. There doesn't need to be a verse that says that. You just need to look at how they responded to Jesus and why they killed him. You still haven't done anything with Matthew 26 and and Luke 22 when Jesus is on trial and they say, are you the son of God? He doesn't deny it. You would think if there's any time where Jesus denies a claim like that, it's on his trial where they're about to kill him in the most brutal, embarrassing way. And Jesus says, you say it. Now that 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 might that, that might not be as good as as talking in the first person, I am God, but he doesn't deny it. And they knew exactly what he was insinuating. The disciples believe that Jesus is the son of God, and they 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 die for that claim. So so just because yeah, so, so again, Jesus existed in eternity past. And just because, you know, he was given the name doesn't mean that Jesus wasn't God. It just means that he's always been God and now he has the authority to save. That's what it means. Again, you would quote John 5 where Jesus says, I don't seek glory for myself, but there is one who seeks his own glory. He's God. Well, again, listen. Jesus prays in John 17 that the Father would glorify the Son, that the Son would share the same glory that he shared before the world was created. So Jesus got, listen, you need to read the whole book to get a a full picture. You can't just take a verse and go, wow, Jesus Jesus was never about his glory. It's about the timing of it. All throughout John's gospel, it says it wasn't his time. It wasn't his time. It wasn't his time. In particular, it wasn't his time to die. But again, that's the point. In redemptive history, there's a time for everything. And the, the, the danger with eisegesis, the danger with picking out a verse and saying, this is what it means. You, you know, you miss the picture. You miss it. And again, you'll bring up John twenty seventeen, where Jesus says, you know, don't touch me. I haven't ascended to my father and your father my God and your God. You think that completely nullifies my point. No, it doesn't. 
Jesus is not ashamed to call his father God because that's who he is. And just because his father is God doesn't mean that he's not. And again, in that same verse, you know the part that you don't do anything with? You don't do anything that with the part that says, I have not yet ascended to my father. Why is that important? Well, again, if you study passages like Hebrew one, Hebrews 1, it says that he ascended to the right hand of God. <laughs> like he's... By the way, if he's at God's right hand, he's not God. Just saying. But the point is that he was exalted to that place of high honor. So I, I know you're really focusing on, you know, Jesus' humanity. But listen, Jesus knew where he was going. Jesus knew where he came from. He knew where he was going. He was going to glory. He was going to be glorified. He's always been God, and now he's going to be bestowed with the power and 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 the praise and everything that he laid aside to become a human. And then you you have a problem with coherence. Well, listen, what I'm not talking about is 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 everything is shared among them. They all are the same. They all have the same role. They all do the same things. They're all I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is in essence, in nature, in characteristics, they share the same, but there's difference. Jesus does say in Matthew 24 that he doesn't know when he's coming back. Only the Father does. Jesus doesn't know when he's coming back. There's there's some things like there's Deuteronomy 29, 29, I think it is, that says the secret things belong to the Lord, but everything else is for, you know, it has been revealed for uh, us and our children. God reserves the right to not reveal everything even to the Son, and that doesn't make him any less God. Again, this points to timing. There's a time where the father says, hey, this is when you are to act. This is when you are to come down. This is when you are to return. And if we're dealing with a father-son relationship, even among divinity, this makes sense. I mean, we can kind of relate to this. I'm not saying it's easy to understand or easy to grasp. I'm just pointing out that it's there. And, and listen, they, they have the same essence, but different roles. The Father glorifies the Son. The Son glorifies the Father. The Holy Spirit reminds us of what the Son said. And the Holy Spirit is the one who lives inside of us. And and listen, it's important for us to get this uh, straight. Because Jesus went into heaven. And, and in John 16, he says, guess who's going to take my spot? The Spirit. So they're not the same. And again, the Father didn't die on the cross. The Son did. They are not the same. And this is, this is the most clear in Romans 1, verses 1 through 4. Again, you, you're going to give me that lazy response of, that's not what it says. I know they all appear there, but that's not what it means. Well, yeah, it does. If you read the paragraph, if you read the paragraph, and it, again, verses 1 through, I believe, 16 is one, one run-on sentence in Greek. It, it, it's, it's a longer sentence. I, I forgot what verse it is. But, but it's, it's one connected thought. You have to deal with it together. God plans salvation. The, the Son accomplishes salvation by dying on the cross. The Spirit applies it to those who believe. And, and they don't occupy the same role. They are not the same. And then just for some closing comments, I, I want to I point out some new things that I haven't said before, but the, these need to be said. Um, in, in Acts 20, verse 28, Paul is 
saying goodbye to the Ephesian church leaders. And, and he says this, be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. So God bought the church with his own blood. Who's God? Jesus. Jesus died on the cross. Jesus is God. That's what Paul says here. The father raised Jesus from the dead. So the father did not die on the cross. The son did. What about Thomas? Thomas in John 20, 28, around the same passage that, that you're quoting from. Thomas sees Jesus and says, my Lord and my what? God. <laughs> so Jesus doesn't deny that. People praise him all throughout the Gospels, and Jesus doesn't deny the worship, not all the time. You're picking out like one of the one of the few times where he did. In Titus 2, verses, verse 13, we are encouraged to wait for the coming of God, uh, of God our Savior, Jesus Christ. It's right there. Paul says it again uh, in Hebrews 1.8. The Father declares Jesus to be God. Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. And in Revelation, the angels instructed, instructed the uh, Apostle John to worship God, Revelation 19.10. And several times, Jesus receives worship. Let me just give you a few. Matthew 2.11, Matthew 14.33, Matthew 28.9, Matthew uh, in 17, Luke 24.52, and John 9.38. And Jesus doesn't rebu rebuke those people for worshiping him. So, again... This is a big topic. I solved nothing today, um, but I just it was I just wanted to do it. So this is my last response to you, Noah. Uh, you can't say that I didn't defend the teaching. You can't say that I didn't give you the Bible. You can't say any of that. But my final encouragement would be if you're genuine about knowing uh, more about the Trinity and what the Bible says about the Trinity, it's a complex topic. You can spend lots of time dealing with this. Um, several people have been um, committed to... Um, rooms with pads because uh, this is a complex topic but you should find a scholar who spent more time thinking about this than I did and and you should really consider what they say if your approach is I don't want to believe it the Bible doesn't say that uh, the Bible doesn't say what it says then I can't I can't really help you and I'm done responding um, I feel good about my response you probably don't but that's okay God bless <laughs>